guys. Uh, we're, we were having a Bible study with our Florida fellowship in, and, uh, you know, more and more people connecting with, and so this family that I had never met before came to the, for the first time, and they were, they were from California. They'd just moved from California, and so we just got making small talk, and I don't know if you've seen this movie that we showed a clip of, uh, The Jesus Revolution, um, but somehow we got into different things, and I was leading this, the study, and... Um, I learned that she grew up in that area at that time. Turns out, the guy that you saw getting baptized in that, that was her pastor. She was a part of the Jesus revolution way back then. And uh, so we just sat and talked for the longest time. And she said a couple of things. One... If, you've, if, you've see, if you haven't seen the movie, you, you probably really should go see it, just as an aside. But she said it was, just, it was all about just Jesus. It was all about just following Jesus. That's all it was about. And the other thing that it was about was, was about all the freaks being welcomed into the church by one courageous pastor who said, I don't care if you have shoes. I don't care... If you're a hippie, if you're a dropout, I don't care about any of that. If you're hungry to learn about Jesus, we're happy to be a part. And I remember when Orchard Grove was just an idea in my head, because I worked with students for a long time, and the idea in my head was the same thing I used to tell the students, that everybody's welcome. And I said this over and over and over again to the the students that I had the privilege to, to pastor. I said, everyone's welcome. And I would say it over and over again. And then I said, the only people that aren't welcome here are the people that won't welcome others. You know, that was, because I, I don't know how, I didn't know where to, I didn't know where to put you. I, I didn't know how to slot you. And you know, the, here's the funny thing. I've seen that trend over and over and over and over again. And the story of, of tribe is very simply this. First and foremost, I want you to know something, that you belong. And you belong here. And you matter. You matter in God's family, and you matter right here. And no matter what you've heard or anyone else has told you, what Jesus was about was that he was about belonging. He would come to people. He, Matthew 11, he says, all you who are weary, who are burdened, come, and you will find rest for your soul. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so the whole idea is this. You were never meant to be alone. You were never meant to struggle alone. You were never meant to live alone. And this is not just about the physical proximity of other people. As we've been talking about in this series, like you can be right next to somebody. You can be on a subway and they can be literally laying on top next to you and jammed in a, in a crowd and be completely alone. This past uh, 
what, two weeks somewhere we, we learned about the, the death of the, the actor Matthew Perry who starred in Friends. And almost everybody here could sing the Friends song and we could, you know, quote lines from the different episodes. And it certainly was modeled when you, when you watched that show that you felt like you wanted to be a part of that friend group. That looked like the ultimate tribe, didn't it? Like, yeah, they had their scuffles and they went back and forth and they joked, and, but, but boy, you just wanted to belong to that friend group. And of course, the one character that he played, Chandler, he was um, so comical and you, so loved. And now uh, I read an article this morning and they were saying, they don't know all the details. Maybe you know. I, I really don't. I'm not here to cast judgment. But they said one thing is that they now know is that he sort of died a lonely person. Think about that. You star in a TV show. You have the world at your feet clamoring for you. The, the very show you portray is called Friends. It's, it's the ultimate tribe. And the people in there, they all said how much they loved him. And yet he felt he was what? And I see this happen over and over and over and over again in people's lives where they're so close to connecting, but they don't actually connect. There's people all around, people willing to love them even, but they won't always open up. And then back to Genesis, it says it's not good for the man to be alone. And so we find fast forward to the very end, Revelation, it says this, it all kind of comes together, and it says this, and after this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every, what, tribe, every people, language, standing before the throne. Here's the picture. The picture is this. All the division, all the isolation, all the separate it's all wiped away, and the lines are now blurred. I said this very poorly. I, I was asked to share briefly at the ladies' retreat um, a while back, and I did it really poorly, but the thing I was trying to get across to the ladies was there's no such thing as a category, really. We're comfortable with categories. We put people into categories. But what it does is it separates people. And the more people get separated, the more they get isolated. The more they get isolated, the more they get alone. And we kind of need them. Like, well, well are, you, are you for this team or this team? Are you on this one or this one? So I was telling the ladies, I go, there's no such thing as Lutheran. Well, oh, I'm Lutheran and I'm, there, there, yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm Presbyterian. Okay, maybe like this much of you is, the, like the very outer layer, the little certificate. But do you think when you go to heaven, it's like, okay, the, can we get my Presbyterians for lunch, please? All Presbyterians <laughs> for lunch. Or do you think, I mean, I'm just a thought. But we get used to these categories and somehow they, 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 they give us this shallow sort of comfort. But do you think that's how God sees us? I don't think that's how God sees us. 
How many of you, how many of you have categories for your children? I got all my honor roll students over here at the table and uh, the non-honor roll students done dishes duty, please. How's that go? Or do you have to just say we're all one what? Tribe. Do you wish some would pick up their game at some times? You could say amen. I mean, yeah, you do. You, you could wish for this, you could, but you don't separate them or categorize them. They're just what? Your tribe, your family, your children. So I got to think when God looks down, I don't, I don't know that he says, well, these are the Baptists and these are the Presbyterians and these are the Pentecostals and the Catholics. I think when God looks, he just sees every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, every what? Nation. It's, everything gets blurry. I mean, it's okay, you know, wherever you grew up and however you grew up, that, that, that's like your start. You know, that's what you know. And you think your tribe is the best and your team is the best. And, and you know, it, there's probably some, some psychologists would say there's something healthy about that strong identity when you're growing up. But when you get a little older, friends, when you get a little older, you have to start seeing past the categories. You have to start seeing that, well, in Galatians it says this, in Christ... There is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We're all what? One in Christ Jesus. Everybody says the other. We're all what? One. We're all one. We're all one. We're used to these categories. Well, I'm Jewish, I'm Gentile, I'm this, I'm that. But in Christ, there's just one category the child of God. Deeply loved. At some point, you get to a spot where you realize, I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be alone. And so I have to respond to the invitation of God to enter into the community that he offers. It's always there. The invitation's always open. But for whatever reason, some of us, we, we resist the invitation Maybe we heard bad things about it. Maybe, you know, we met a Christian once that we didn't like or whatever the reason. But at the end of the day, the invitation keeps calling. It calls you into the family, into the community, into the tribe. To belong. And it's up to you. It's up to you to accept the invitation. I want to share one more little piece that might help us because I think what happens for a lot of people is they struggle in, in isolation for, for way too long in their life. And then I see this happen over and over again. People will go, and let's say they get involved in a church. And this is their concept of church. And the whole concept, like I've spent 20 years trying to give people a different concept of God. And if, I have, if this is the project, I think I've gotten this far in 20 years. It's hard to give a new concept of God to people because pretty much everybody thinks God is kind of like Santa Claus. So if I've gotten this far in 20 years, I'm trying to give people a new understanding of church and I've gotten this far. Because the idea that most people have of church 
is you come and you sit and you get inspired or you don't get inspired or you get irritated at me or whatever you do, but you come and you sit and you inspect. And you look around and you see what does it look like and is it good enough for you or not good enough for you and are the people around you good enough for you or not good enough for you? Most of them aren't really, to be honest. You know, it's people that, and then, you know, is the music good enough or is this good enough? And, and the, the whole concept is just completely the wrong way. Because if it's, if it's an institution that you inspect, then you're always going to be at the outside like looking back. And let me, let me, this is a really important part. I don't, I hope you can get it. That is a direct reflection about what you believe about God. Whether you made the connection or not. Because what most of you grew up with is what God does is he sits up there and he, what? Inspects us. He's the great inspector. He's looking at your list. You know, he knows everything you did wrong. You didn't get away with it. How many heard this in church before? You didn't get away with it. God knows. And he's like Santa Claus and he's got the list. Now, let's just do a little free confession here. How many have ever used Santa Claus to get better behavior out of your children? Shameful. Shameful. A lot of people use God to get a little better behavior out of people. But if your idea of God is that he's the outside inspector, that he's trying to inspect your life and see if you're worthy enough for him, you've completely missed it. God is not an inspector. God's a participant. That's why we have Jesus who came and walked and bled and died and suffered. And it says he knows he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it feels like to be human. God participates. I'm going to explain to you a big gap. And if you, if you get through this gap, it'll be a game changer for you for the rest of your life. And let me, just tell you, let me just say this, because we get up here and we ask people to get involved and to volunteer, to serve, because there's all kinds of needs here. And when you get involved, you realize how many unbelievable needs are, that there is a heavy load just for this church to exist. But I am not talking about doing it because there's a need, which there is, but that's not why I'm talking about it. But I'm gonna tell you something. The gap between you sitting and inspecting and getting involved, that's the game changer, friend. That's the game changer. Rest of your life, you could sit back there and decide, is it good enough? Is it not good enough? Did he, was he funny today? Was he off his game? Did he do the right Bible verse? You'll completely miss what it is to be a part of a tribe. The church was never, ever supposed to be something that you inspected. It was supposed to be a family that you were involved in. This morning... Charlie, for the first time, made her own cinnamon toast. Brothers and sisters, there is a God. We are making progress. 
We had a report to you. She made her own. So what do you want for you? I want this. No, I don't want that. No. You, what do you want for breakfast? Guess, she tells me. Guess. I'm going to guess eat a big pile of spinach, you know. Now I, now I, have, to, I have to go to church. I have to do this. And I got to play this game all morning long. I have to guess what she wants. So, you know, I throw a couple ideas out. She goes, nope. Guess again. Right? I said, you guess something. You make your own breakfast today. Now, how many of you know when, when they go from inspecting, is it good enough? Did dad make the right thing? Did he do it right? Is it this? Is it that? Now, all of a sudden, you make your own breakfast. I'm a horrible dad. I know. Send me the emails. Bring them. Make your own breakfast. I was nicer than it sounds. Showed her where to get the stool. Showed her where to get the bread. Here's where the butter is, right? By the way, she did herself a solid because you should have seen the cinnamon sugar pile that she put on that thing. It was like a mountain. It was like this. So I did have to intervene. But some people will never, ever cross that. They never cross that gap. And they never get it. It's always something to inspect. And never something to get involved in. And man, you know, when, when she's in that mode, it's, well, I wanted this, and I wanted this, and I want, it's not hot enough, and it's not this, and it's, I wish it was this, and it's. How about you make your own toast? How about you make me some, too? All the dynamics start to change when there's interplay, right? When it's like you have not only, you're not only to you receive, but you have a responsibility. How about I go to the store and buy it with my money and then you make me some? I'll tell you something I read this week. In my research for this series, dug up so much, so much stuff about the mental health crisis that people talk about all the time, especially among the young generation. And one of the things that a researcher, a team of researchers brought a proposal and they said, we think one of the reasons that we're having this crisis is because kids don't play enough. I'm not a research social scientist, but these people were. And they did research and they said they aren't playing enough. And they said the, the amount of free play, just going out in the backyard and playing. How many remember what I'm talking about? Like getting, how many talking about a good old fashioned game, a kickball? Now, they said this has gone down like this. And mental health crisis has gone like this since the 60s. And what they're proposing is this. They said, kids, and they, they said, here's the thing. You running a little league, daddy, daddy do good, right? Not, not throwing spears at you, but just think about it. Running the little league, running practice, running this, running this, running this. It's always the dad or the mom running it. And the kids never have to work it out. I'm going to go over here. No friendly faces. The kids have to just work it out. Who had to work some stuff out? Anybody got a knot on your head to show what you worked out with? There you go. The pastor encouraged us to get into fist fights with. 
Anybody ever get a knot in your head? You may have to work something out. He's like, well, yeah, but that's bad. Well, here's the thing. I didn't write the article, but here's the thing. He said, all this structure, they're not participants. They're observers. They're inspectors. They just sit back and, is this going to get worked out for me? Is this going to be the way I want it to be or not the way I want it to be? And because we're abandoning the teaching of that skill, it's increased, this is their, this is their theory, it's increased the mental health crisis because they can't deal with a complicated, problematic world. How many wake up tomorrow, you're going to have a problem or two to deal with? A cantankerous or two. And if you've got the skills, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out, you'll navigate it. But if you don't have the skills, you'll shut down. You'll close in. You'll isolate. See, I think the whole thing goes together. The wrong view of God, the wrong view of church, the wrong view of society. At the end of the day, if kids go out and play, it's going to get messy. No one wants it. Nobody wants it. But it happens. So yesterday, Charlie came, her, her cousins came over to play. They went to play in the backyard. And I, I mean, I built a state-of-the-art treehouse for her. State-of-the-art. And it's got a little pulley system and everything. And how many know... This is what it's like when kids get together and play. After 15 minutes, somebody is what? Hurt or upset? Left out. And this article says, just let them figure it out. Let them work it out. Let them work it out. What does that have to do with our tribe? And what does this do with belonging? It has everything to do with it. Why? Because they don't know how to belong. Belonging doesn't mean perfection. Belonging doesn't mean there won't be bumps or bruises. Belonging means you're a part of a tribe. It's something that's bigger than you. And you don't quit on it. Or as the Apostle Paul said, I'll close with this verse, 1 Corinthians 12. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Here's how you can understand church. Here's a better way to think of church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts that we don't mention. It's an interdependent body. It's not something that you sit back and you inspect. It's something that you're involved in, that every single day, how many know you get really bummed out when one of your body parts isn't participating? Huh? Anybody got one? You need them participating, happily participating. So it all goes together. Everybody look here. It's just up to you. If you're going to cross the gap from this to this, this, but that's you. 
Will the church survive? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how we always get by. You know, we're always, we never have enough volunteers, enough, but we always get by. But who misses out? You do. Tribe is something that you belong in, that you're involved in. Can I just say it simply? I'll get to the step stool. It's time for you to make some cinnamon toast, brother. I mean, it's time. I can't reach the butter. I'll scoot you to the front of the counter. How many know? It's time. Now. Awesome. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may God take you across the great, cra- the great chasm from inspecting to involved. May God take you from watching to working. May God take you from pretending to participating in his body. Now, God, watch over your people. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your love and your grace. And let us be a blessing wherever we go this week. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove. God bless you.